powered by Transistor FM. Welcome to friends, foes, and neither. Do not adjust your podcatcher settings because what you're about to hear is real. It's the Derek Duvall Show. Prepare yourself for pop culture, commentary, and interviews featuring no drama and no controversy guaranteed. And now, coming to you live to tape from the Derek Duvall Productions Bunker, it's Derek Duvall! Oi, good day, planet Earth. Welcome, Duvall Nation, to another amazing episode of the Derek Duvall Show. We are back, and yes, the rumors are true. This show has actually been the preferred soundtrack playing in proctologist offices around the world. Much love to the gloved ones out there sweating it out. But yes, I am Derek. This is the Derek Duvall Show. I am so glad you have decided to return and spend another hour with me. Or if this is your first time, welcome. We have a great show for you today. But first, what's been going on with me? I finally got to live out a bucket list dream. And I got to see Tool live for the first time last night. And holy hell, was it good. I am vaccinated, boosted, and I wear a mask. So I got to enjoy the show without the added threat of contracting COVID-19. I will say this though. I have nothing against people smoking weed. In fact, I'm all for it. But sharing joints with strangers <laughs> with the way the things are in the world, I was like, not very bright, guys. Not very bright. But man, Tool, they put on an awesome show. Maynard is still a dick. And I could not have been happier to be rocking out. It was truly awesome to see Tool Faithful all banging their heads at the same time. If you haven't seen them and you love good hard rock music, Seek out Tool at a venue near you. Fun fact, today we had an earthquake. Yes, you heard me, folks, an actual earthquake here in Oklahoma. Now, I lived in California for five years, and believe me, even a minor tremble is just another day at the office. But here in Oklahoma, people were freaking out. A 4.6 is a decent rumble, folks. I was at work, and boy, did we feel that one. Glad no one was hurt. I want to throw a huge shout-out to my last guest, Heisman Trophy winner Jason White. That was one of the most downloaded episodes in the history of the show. He was a great sport, and I am so pleased we could have made that one work. So, welcome to episode 40. Yes, 4-0. We have a good one for you today. We welcome to the show a staple in the Hollywood community. We have on our show the matchmaker to the stars, Amber Kelleher Andrews. She'll be talking about her remarkable origins studying anthropology, Sir Richard Branson, her stint in Hollywood, and joining Kelleher International and her rise to CEO. This is a great episode, and if you are curious about how the stars of Hollywood meet from time to time, this is the episode for you. So let's welcome her to the show. Duval Nation, rise to your feet. And welcome all the way from California, the CEO of Kelleher International, Amber Kelleher Andrews. Amber, welcome to the show. How's the weather out with you today? Well, the weather was beautiful all through Thanksgiving. We had 10 days of sunshine, and we were on the beach in Montecito, California. And then as soon as the holiday ended and everyone flew home, the fog came in, and it's freezing. So (laughs) I was starting to worry about where did the winter go? But we made it to the beach with all of our relatives and friends, and now I've got a fire burning and and some wood, and uh, we've got sweaters on. So... Mm. 
probably 20 degrees difference in a little of 24 hours. I'll take it. Trust me. It's better than the, uh, the scorching desert that I live in here in Oklahoma. So, uh, yeah, I'll definitely take the cold weather any day of the week. <laughs> <laughs> so I always like to start my show with the same question, and that is, how has it been for you to navigate the COVID-19 world we're living in? Well, COVID-19 is really interesting when you take into consideration what I do for a living. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of a matchmaking firm. And the matchmaking firm is called Kelleher International because my mother's Jill Kelleher. And the, the reason why she created this firm was because she wanted to be able to personally introduce people to one another, having vetted them, having discovered who they are. And when COVID hit, of course, people aren't meeting face-to-face. -face. And so immediately we thought, huh, after 32 years of being the trailblazers of the matchmaking industry, are we going to shut down? Literally, is this the end? But what I found fascinating is that we have had the best two years in our history. I think we can give credit to the fact that when people are in a little bit of a crisis, they tend to look for what they truly want, what they truly need. Maybe it's not as glamorous to go out and meet on Tinder or on a dating app because they could have diseases. And so we were getting the phone calls because I think we are still personalized. We do invest in getting to know people and they are vetted. And even though they weren't meeting face to face, they were joining to have the opportunity to talk to the individuals virtually, mm -hmm. which in the moment when they were stuck in their homes was a wonderful thing to be able to do, to, to have somebody personally chosen for you and open up that screen and have dinner or a conversation with somebody that you know and look forward to meeting once COVID clears. We did real well during the crisis. That's good, that's good. So let's take it back to the beginning. Uh, where are you born? Where were you from? Well, I'm from San Francisco, California. Nice. And um, I was born and raised in Marin County, which mm -hmm. is kind of on the water there, Sausalito and Tiburon with all the, all the boats, very pretty area. I spent half my life in Los Angeles. I was in the entertainment business. And uh, my stepfather was a director, so I spent a lot of my time on movie sets and on TV sets and behind the cameras. I worked for Tony Scott and Roland Joffe, or some big, big names in the industry, mm -hmm. and got to be on the camera crew with them and everything. And my mom was a photographer, and she started working for a dating service and taking pictures of singles back in the 80s. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to her that not everybody's going to put themselves in a book in a library, and the ones that probably would avoid that would be those that have, you know, a lot to, to keep confidential. Maybe they have a high net worth. Maybe they come from owning a major company as opposed to working for one. So the idea was brought up in the 80s through my mother, Jill Kelleher, and she thought, you know, somebody should be doing the heavy lifting. And so um, she kind of, I, I, I was kind of raised watching her do it. And then I joined her and quit the entertainment business in the 90s and uh, joined Kelleher and became the CEO in 1997. So you, uh, if I read correctly, you studied anthropology. Yeah, I was on my way to Berkeley. I was going to, I was going to meet uh, Johansson and Leakey and, you know, meet the ones that discovered Lucy in the in Africa, in the Rift Valley. I was really into anthropology, which plays into what I still do, you know, mm -hmm. culture and traditions. And But I was more into the physical anthropology. I was studying the bones and the bipedals and the, you know, gigantopithecus and all of <laughs> I was really going in the scientific nerdy direction. Mm -hmm. And my stepfather made a phone call at, um, when in the middle of me transferring and said, why don't you come be my assistant on a TV show called People Like Us. It was, Connie Selica was in it, Ben Gazzari and Eva Marie Saint. 
Back then, these were big names. Terry Polo, an unknown at the time, but she's done Meet the Parents and a few things. Anyway, it was a summer job. I went to work for my stepfather, and I I never went to Berkeley. I fell in love with the industry of movies and stayed in L.A. and met my husband. And that was my new path until I um, until my mom asked me to work with her. You went to film school, if I correctly. When you're in Los Angeles and you're working as an actress, it's an interesting industry. Obviously, I wasn't going to go down the path that we've learned many actresses have with the whole demise of Hollywood, finding out that there was truly a casting couch. I had heard of it. I never really dabbled in it. I always had a boyfriend. I was kind of prude and I was never going to work that way up. But I loved being in the I loved being in the possibilities of creating something. Mm-hmm. and being on a set and and being you know part of all of that mm-hmm. and so when i left the in- entertainment business the reason how i kind of shifted over and why i stayed in the matchmaking i think is because i was so used to having people interview me mm-hmm. um as an actress you're always you know tell me about yourself and what do you do and why do you think this part should be you and you know you're re- rejected or you're accepted it's it's an ongoing um up and down roller coaster and um, the moment that I got to do matchmaking, I was the one asking the questions. Tell me about yourself. And have you been married before? And do you have any children? And I loved switching it and taking the focus actually off of me and, and really being able to invest my time and energy into who someone is. And then to have this wonderful challenge to find their perfect person. Mm-hmm. So when my mom asked me to help her, I went from wanting to help to wanting to get truly involved. And I, and I just kind of left the entertainment business, but ended up on TV anyway, as an expert in relationships. Like there was a big article that just came out today in the USA Today newspaper. It's a huge article. And I wrote it based on celebrity matchmaking because there's all these interesting couples right now from Pete Davidson and Kim Kardashian to Machine Gun Kelly and, and, you know, these crazy tattooed, scary looking men are ending up with these beautiful women of Hollywood and everyone's kind of going, I don't get it. What's going <laughs> on? <laughs> How is that woman with that guy? You know? So yeah. they come to me and they go, what is going on here? And I'm able to get into that anthropology, get into that psychoanalysis, get into why people are attracted to others and bring back my Hollywood glamor, you know, experience on movie sets and throw it all in together and then write an article about it. So I'm, I'm kind of in my bliss having come from the Hollywood world and now working for celebrities and, um, and business moguls in, in matchmaking. We're going to switch over to um, get really into Kelleher in a minute, but I do have one last question I want to ask. What is, what is the allure of wanting to be an actor or actress? I think it's that you feel like you have a lot to give. I think for, for me, and I can only speak for myself, I, when you get lost in a character and you have an opportunity to express yourself in ways that maybe your real self never touches on, um, it's a high. It becomes something that you want more of. And I think that's why we see very, very good skilled actors lose themselves in the characters. Um, we don't get permission to be anybody else other than maybe Halloween, <laughs> unless we have split personalities up, you know, obviously there are people that have multiple personalities, but for the majority, you are who you are. 
you know, you wake up every day and you see yourself and this is, this is what you got. You know, you might be able to work on your appearance or your body or your health, but you are who you are. Actors get to cut their hair, dye their hair, turn, get an English accent and become somebody else. And it's, it's really exciting and it's really fun. And you also get to accomplish something, you know, you go in and you start something and then there's a finish. The wrap parties are so wonderful because everybody has collectively participated in something and they've all contributed and then you celebrate when it's done. So it, it but it, it kind of builds your, you know, you're, it's very ego based. It is really about, it's a, it's a community thing, but it's about, it's about you. You're really kind of in there. And so that's that roller coaster of up and down. Was I good enough? Am I going to get the next job? Will they, will they like me? Can I win an award? You know? Yeah. And it's just like, it's kind of a crazy world. I prefer matchmaking because <laughs> I can talk about, you know, making other yeah. people happy and, and, uh, but that's what it is. It's, 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 a, it's like a drug. There's a, there's a very famous line. I remember Meryl Streep said once, and it was, uh, the, the actual art to act is to portray the inner truth of another human being. And I don't know why, but that, that line has always stuck with me a little bit. Well, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. She said it better and much more succinct than I, but <laughs> So, <laughs> but it is Meryl Streep. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, can you tell us? Okay, let's just talk. Um, tell us how Kelleher International got started. Uh, tell us about your mother, Jill. Uh, she was the founder. Yes, yes. So it goes back to the '80s. She was a photographer working because um, she'd also come from the film industry, and she took pictures of a lot of actors. They were composites. So um, you would have a composite, which is really your headshot on one page, and you'd flip it over, and there'd be maybe three or four other photographs showing your quote-unquote personality. So you might be a tennis player. You might be reading a book. You might be standing at, at times, this goes way back, standing in a, um, in a payphone booth, you know, because you're like some businessman in a payphone booth. So my mom's job as a photographer was to capture different different sides and versatility in your in your, in your repertoire, so to speak, so that casting agents could cast you for different roles. So when a, when a matchmaking service, I mean, I'm sorry, a dating service called Great Expectations, which was really one of the first uh, dating services that came about, um, my mom knew the owner and he asked my mom, uh, Jill, to be the photographer. So as these single people were coming in, she was capturing different sides of their uh, of their character, showing that they are athletic and that they, you know, they might have kids in a photograph. So she was trying to kind of with the same idea, let, let's learn about you in these pictures and not just have a pretty shot, but really understand who you are because the right match might walk in the library and see your photo and, and relate to it. Might go, oh, she's a tennis player. I love tennis. I'm going to ask this woman out. So in, in this, she started kind of matching the people, which wasn't asked of her, and they actually frowned on it. But my mom would take a, pho would take a photograph of somebody and, and just instinctually know that that would be a good match for somebody that she'd taken a photograph of previously. So these people started giving my mom feedback, like, Jill, I went into the library and I found that photo of the man that you said, and we went out and we're a perfect match. How did you know? So she went into sales, and in the sales, she realized that they were really just about signing people up and about the money. And there was a lot of pressure and she had to sign people up even if she knew there wasn't a match for them. And of course she would know because she knew everybody in the database. And that's when it clicked that the head of major companies that time, like IBM, Sears, made, you know, big, big companies that, you know, there was no such thing as Amazon or Google at that time. She thought, well, the owners of these big companies, they're not going to walk in. The CFO, the COOs, the founders, they're, they're not going to go on a photo book and a dating service. That's, it's not that it's beneath them. They can't because everybody that's in their employee base 
are going to say, oh, my God, my boss is in this book. So it, it, a light bulb went off and she thought, well, I want to work for that, those people because they have nowhere to go. They're probably a lot pickier, so they're going to need the help. And they're so busy. How do they even have time? And that was the basis of starting a personalized matchmaking firm. And because she knew everybody from taking all their pictures, she had a great base of people to begin with. So I think she put the first ad out in the San Francisco Chronicle in maybe 86 and started Kelleher. And then I, I became the CEO 10 years later in 1997. So just so I make sure I completely understand, your firm caters to the Hollywood elite power brokers, athletes, that sort of thing? Well, that's we're we're the top firm for all of them, but we cater to anybody that is looking for a long-term committed relationship. And many people are in our Faust for free. So those that join usually have a, a high net worth income because we are expensive and we're expensive by by design rather than taking a thousand people a month at a thousand dollars. We'll take ten people a month at a hundred thousand. I mean, it's. Our membership fees start around thirty-five to fifty thousand. So you do have to have a nice disposable income to be able to afford our fees. But we could turn around and introduce that individual to a high school teacher mm. or to to an artist. It's really about who is the best match for the client that has retained our services. Mm. But there is no company better for the moguls, for those the the jet setters and the famous athletes and and mm. celebrities because. That's what we've been known for for three decades now. As a CEO, which you said you've been you've been doing on that for for quite a while, what would you say would be the largest obstacle that you've had to overcome so far? Um, I'm still trying to figure out how. I think the the largest obstacle for matchmakers in general, matchmaking firms in general, not specific to Kelleher, is um, letting the men of the world know that this is where all the beautiful women are. It, it's truly remarkable how many men are on dating apps that don't understand that the fastest way to get to that pretty woman that they're trying to connect with, who has maybe 50,000 other emails from other men that also want to connect with her, that we have her direct phone number and we can pick up the phone and call. I think men go on dating apps because they like, they like I, I don't want to say stalking because not all men are stalking, but but it's it's kind of like they can they're in charge and they can decide who they want to meet. But as soon as they find the one, they have a really hard time reaching that woman because if she's attractive, she's getting everybody to reach her. You know, I saw a guy on a dating app that uh, we were friends and and he he hit a button. I said, "What did you just do?" And he said, "I paid a dollar." I said, "For what?" He said, "To get into the front of the line to meet this girl that I want to meet." And I go, "How many other men just paid a dollar to get in the same front of the line?" And he kind of looked at me like, God, I never thought about that. And I'm like, you're all paying a dollar to get in the front of the line. So you're in the same line. You just made them hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you're in the same line. It's not like there's something special about you hitting that button. <laughs> and so these guys are kind of lost on these dating apps. And so the biggest challenge for matchmaking firms and for, and for my own is that we need the men to know that women don't like stalkers. Women don't like married men. Women don't like filtering through 50,000 emails of all these guys that are drooling over how pretty they are. They want a matchmaking firm to cut through all the riffraff and find the three best guys and, and vet them and make sure that they truly are who they say they are so that when she goes out to dinner with them, she feels safe. So we get the best women and we have their direct line 
and we know exactly what they're looking for. And if the men of the world understood that, you know, we could we could move a lot faster because a lot of men, you know, they still have that stigma. Oh, I don't need a matchmaker or oh, um, I, I don't need to pay for a date. And meanwhile, they're like single and miserable. <laughs> so I think that's the challenge. We've, we've always just really loved our job. We love our employees. We, we did a, a we reinvented ourselves right before COVID and COVID helped us because it slowed everything down. We um, kind of took about a third of our of our employees and, and let them go, which wasn't COVID related. It was because they weren't the right people for us. And we wanted to change our, you know, really kind of lean in on our values and change our executive team. And, and so we took a chance. We let a lot of people go. We started with a new values pack with new people at the top. We added a club, a social club, um, and a philanthropy division, and we hit go. And I, we've had the most exciting year we've ever had. And um, I, it was it was a risk because, you know, a lot of people said, "Oh, if you change what's good, you know, don't 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 change it. It's working. It's worked for 30 years. Don't change it." And I said, "I I, I want to be a startup in a premium brand. I want to start over." And that's what we did um, right around COVID. And I'm really happy we made that. So that was a challenge, but it it worked. So. It hasn't been anything to uh, try to overcome. We're we're still coasting with it, and we're going to keep adding um, more and more exciting divisions um, in the future. Okay, Duval Nation, we are going to go ahead and take a brief break, listen to two awesome promos for some great friends of the show, a little fun PSA, and then we'll be right back. I suggest using this time productively by refreshing your drink, doing some of those deep breathing exercises, Cluzo style. Out with the bad air, in with the good. Out with the bad air, in with the good. See you in a couple of minutes. I'm Agent Scott. And I'm Cam, the provocateur. And together we are the Spy Hearts Podcast. Every Tuesday, we decode the best and the worst of spy cinema to decipher if they make the knock list. That's right. The knock list is the need-to-see official classics of the spy genre. The best of the best, so to speak. Nobody does it better. From Born to Bond and Powers to Palmer, you can bet we will cover it. So subscribe now and revel in the audio equivalent of a smooth martini. Just search for Spy Hards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S, on all major podcast apps. And let's just hope you find us before we find you. You could be wrong. Now we know. And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! So would you rather bathe in caramel or hot fudge? Before I answer that, I'm Ryan. I'm John. And I'm Matt, and we're Mo and G Podcast. We're three lifelong friends that decided we were going to make a podcast. So if you like listening to three clowns talk about beer reviews, weird news stories, and just banter, this might be the podcast for you. You can find us on all social medias and wherever you listen to podcasts, baby. Uh, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. Oh. How many dudes are with me in the bathtub with hot fudge? Welcome back to episode 40 of the Dirk Duvall Show. I do love those G.I. Joe PSAs. You learn something and you get to scratch that nostalgia itch. 
Anyways, let's get right back into our scintillating conversation with the CEO of Kelleher International, Amber Kelleher Andrews. So how do you court a well-known person or so I tell them to use your service? Is it, do you put a ad out in variety? Is it a um, word of mouth situation? Yeah, I think for people that are, you know, it's, it, it's, it's so different for everybody. I mean, the, the USA Today article came out um, this afternoon, and it was about Pete Davidson dating Kim Kardashian and Machine Gun Kelly and all, and all those, like we talked about the tattooed men and the pretty women. That right there is going to start a lot of conversations. And in those conversations, most people know our name that have done any sort of research I had somebody say once, this goes way back, it shows you how long we've been around. They were at a presidential convention and at the table of the Clintons when Bill was president, they were having a conversation about Kelleher International. I don't know why. I mean, obviously I didn't match Bill and Hillary, but but it was a conversation. And so we, we tend to come up with big names and big people. But they, you know, they might have just seen us in the airlines flying. I've had I had a really well-known NBA uh, coach who had five five rings on the finger from winning that many NBA um, uh, championships. And he said, Amber, I've always known who Kelleher is. Um, I was just married for 20 years. So it's and he'd seen us in the airlines because they fly so much that um, he's in every city and he'd open up maybe the city magazines, whether it's. New York Magazine, San Francisco Magazine, back then when magazines weren't looked at as a contamination. Now we pulled out of a lot of publications because nobody picks them up anymore. But I think it's word of mouth and it's branding. So what criteria does a client have to fit to gain access to your service? Um, I think they need to be realistic with what they bring to the relationship. So you have to have done some deep diving into who you are. In other words, if you have a lot of money and you can afford our services, it doesn't mean we're interested in working with you because you might really not be ready. So you have to have a sense of self and well-being, and you need to um, understand uh, what it is primarily that you want. You don't need to know who it is that you're looking for. Sometimes, sometimes it's better for people to leave that up to us. You know, they might say, I'm horrible at picking someone. I can walk into a room and I'm guaranteed to walk out with the absolute worst match. <laughs> so instead of a man or a woman saying, I know exactly what I want, some people might say, I'm going to leave that up to you because I haven't done a very good job so far. So I think everybody's different. But what we're looking for in that initial phone call is the commitment to the journey of finding love. Our, our saying is that we transform lives through purposeful love and connection. And what that means is we're with you on this journey. Now, the journey might take two days. It might take two years. But there is a really beautiful journey that can be had when you are willing to look at yourself, look at what's most important in your life, and, and help us align you with that best possible match. It's really so much more than chemistry. It has to do with values. It has to do with morals. It has to do with the future, with your children. If you have children, how you want to raise them. Do you want to live in multiple countries? Do you, does religion matter? What about politics? All of this is stuff that we want to have conversations around. And so we were looking for people that are willing to have the conversation, that are willing to look at themselves, be able to articulate who they are and possibly what they're looking for. And then just someone that we really are excited to work with. You know, personality really goes a long way 
when we're building relationships with our clients. It's, a, it's important to be able to have a nice relationship with our clients. I had three clients over for Thanksgiving dinner. You know, we really? become friends with them. We, we we take our clients on the on these amazing excursions. I'm I'm um, uh, philanthropic partners with Sir Richard Branson, and when we when I curate groups and take them to the islands where we talk about leveraging our influence as a force for good, and we look at success to significance with Branson as the ultimate example of somebody mm-hmm. that's doing amazing things with with branding and with who he is. You know, you bond with people. You're on a you're on a tropical island in the middle of nowhere for five days, talking about how to make the planet, you know, a better place to live, to leave it better than we found it for the next generation. And you know, you just it's just so wonderful to have these amazing conversations with people that can truly make a difference. And you just you you become so close that you're not only excited to find them the love of their life, but you're excited to share. Um, many things with them along the way, whether it's foundations, whether it's going to different galas, whether it's having supper parties. Everybody's meeting right now for the Art Basel contest, uh, Art Basel in Miami. We've got a big yacht, and there's a ton of people that are going to go there and and um, and donate to the arts, and it just keeps going. It's so much fun when you've got passionate people. Mm. So that's a, again a long answer, but we're looking for passionate people that are willing to have the conversation and are excited about finding the ultimate partner to share their life with. You touched on uh, a hero of mine, Sir Richard, is uh, someone uh, I put him in my Mount Rushmore of probably one of the greatest human beings living in the modern age. Um, what he was able to do starting out to where he is today is just unprecedented in modern history. It truly is. And he's really kind of in his prime right now, mm-hmm. considering I was with him. Um, I wasn't on the rocket ship, but I was right there as he got on. And I was there when he got off and with his family. And that was a nervous but very exhilarating afternoon um, to see that plane leave. Um, we were in New Mexico and to watch it go up. And it was really just a couple of hours, um, maybe two hours, and he was back on the ground and he had just gone to outer space. And what made it so special is that that was a dream that he had had, I think, 50 years ago. Yeah. Or maybe I'm wrong on that, but it was a really long time ago. And, um, he just kept, he just, you know, he said, this is going to happen. I'm going to do this one day. So I I think one of the things that I've learned from Richard is that he's, he told me that when he's making decisions, he bases his decisions on the individual, not necessarily on their resume or what they have accomplished, but who they are. He said, Amber, if you have somebody with morals and values and character, you can teach them any skill. But if you have someone that is missing the core competence of values and morals and, and character, no matter what skills they come with, you just don't want to work with them. Mm-hmm. And it was a really, and I looked and I realized that Richard surrounds himself with people that are abundant with people that are aspirational, with people that are inspiring, with people that believe in yes, and that want to, um, that want to push the boundaries. And when you work with people that have that type of aura and energy around them, anything is possible. Mm -hmm. And we see this when I curate the group with Richard every year, we've been doing it for 10 years. We've raised $6 million for Virgin Unite, which is his foundation that I'm a board member of a wonderful foundation. But what we have done outside of that is hundreds of millions of dollars worth 
of incredible, incredible things. Um, just, just one example is clients rented a, uh, um, a big ship and took it out to the Galapagos Islands. And while there raised $40 million in two days, which went directly to the fishing of the Galapagos Islands, which changed the way in which they fish, which preserved thousands and thousands of areas of, of their oceans, because prior to the foundation raising this, they were, um, I forget the name, but they were pulling the coral up with all of the oh, fish. No. Yeah. And so it was quickly losing the ability for the fish to, to come back and to feed. And so a Kelleher match <laughs> created a foundation which funded the ship, which raised the 40 million, which changed the oceans. <laughs> so when we say we're making a difference in the world, it's, it's, it's trackable. We are watching that these Kelleher clients um, truly make an impact on the planet. And that's, that's far more exciting than any movie, right? So mm -hmm. this is why I, <laughs> if I, if I may say something, if, if I, if I walk away from this interview right now, I will be a hundred percent even more impressed than the first time I met you because what you've just said to me right there is just phenomenal. And I, I mean that sincerely, like that is absolutely some of the most best philanthropy I've seen on the show so far. Oh yeah. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by what, people are able to to accomplish it's relationships yeah. it's relationships so i have a talk show you have a talk show let's talk about rules of engagement oh. <laughs> okay what do you want to talk about well let's tell me about it let's tell our little listeners well so the rules of engagement is that's like a you know a, a a play on words because again it's for the men right everyone knows the rules of engagement it was a very at the time that we chose that name for the radio show it was it was more geared towards men. We wanted the men to check in. Well, what are the rules of engagement? But it, but of course, it's it really has to do with love, and that there there is there is um, there are subtle rules. I mean, with the book, the rules I thought was one of the most destructive uh, books of all time for relationships. I mean, it was all about games, and and I don't believe in games. I believe in being transparent and being open. However, rules do apply. And it's really about understanding, again, who you are, what you want, um, being able to be confident. I did a, an interview where they were, um, one of the questions on the show was talking about when is it appropriate to take a love interest to a holiday party? And which uh, it's kind of appropriate now because we're in the holidays. So in other words, if you just started dating someone, do you bring them to the Christmas party? And another question was, um, what are the rules around introducing um, your uh, potential interest or love interest to your in-laws? And I said that, you know, the, the in-laws can be tricky because you want to make sure that the person that you're bringing is comfortable themselves. Are they okay being on the spot? Are they okay with everybody at the table asking them questions? Are they comfortable with being able to learn who your aunt is and who your grandma is and who your cousins are? Like, it might be too much for your potential date, you know, for your potential love interest to come. So I always say wait a little bit longer when you're meeting the in-laws because that person needs to kind of catch up on the family tree. And you also need to be probably pretty darn interested um, to put them through the, the chaos of <laughs> meeting your family. Um, the, the rules with work during the holidays is that it's about you. Are you comfortable with answering the question around the water cooler the next day? If this person was simply um, a one night stand or, you know, somebody that 
that that ghosted you after the holiday party because now you're going to have to answer to all of the people that you're at work with they're going to be like oh we're so and so from from the holiday party how's it going and so i i put i put kind of the emphasis of um uh, one is on your your partner do you want to put them through the, the 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 meeting the family and going through all of that and do they care enough about you to be willing to take that in do, are they invested in you to want to know who grandma is does it matter to them and with with the holiday party they can come and go to a holiday party they don't really care but are you prepared to be are you confident enough to say yeah that was just a weekend um they're, we're not seeing each other anymore and are you okay with that or are you going to break down and cry and and if so if you're not confident in the relationship then and you're not confident in your answers if it's no longer a relationship then then skip the holiday party so it's really about putting the the attention on the other one and so rules rules apply and on that show i I would have um, mostly authors that wrote books, that did a lot of research, looked at the science, looked at the emotions, and did research on books. And so I would have authors on my show, and we would talk about what they wrote, and we would um, share stories, really. So I have to ask, because like I said, I'm just more and more you talk to me, the more interesting you you just keep coming. When you are running your business, or in this case, I just learned raising money to change the world, what do you do for fun? Well, I just, well, I'm a mother of, of three teenagers. Mm. So a lot of driving, <laughs> <laughs> um, a lot of games. Um, I picked my daughter up from track. I'm going down to Orange County to watch my son play. He's in a post-grad uh, basketball team. So with COVID, unfortunately, after going three years at a division one preparatory school in Ohio, due to COVID, there were no scouts going to uh. any games because the games were canceled. So unfortunately, he didn't go straight to college, which was really his dream. And now he's in a post-grad. So I'll be driving to Orange County to watch his game. Um, he's my oldest. He's 20. My youngest is 15. She's in high school and, and is on the track team. So I'll go to her meets. And then my middle child, he's 17 and he's a singer-songwriter. And he's actually doing really well. His name is Roan, R-O-A-N. He was in concert in New York. He was in concert in Philadelphia. We were just at a concert of his in Los Angeles. And so I'm starting to be a groupie, I guess. I'm hanging out in <laughs> in small concert halls with a lot of 20-year-olds, and it's kind of cool. It's like I get to go back to you know, my youth, but it's my son on the stage. So I'm really proud of him, and he's doing a great job. So I'm a mom. I'm I'm a mom all the way around. I'm a wife. I've been with my husband for 32 years, 31 years. And then I also, I love to do, I have a like a little mini hotel kind of. It's very small. It's only five, um, five rooms, but it's at the Miramar um, in Montecito. It's next door to the Miramar Resort. We purchased it during COVID as a new location or headquarters for Kelleher International for the matchmaking firm. And we bought it for the opportunity for clients to fly in from all over the world, have a five-star resort to stay in, uh, get to meet me and my mom and the matchmakers to fly in. And it's really designed for the chairman group clients, which are the VIP clients, so that they can come and spend the weekend and get to know us. And I have found that my passion is really making this boutique um, very special. I love um, putting a basket out 
you know, getting the right details of the of the arrangements of the furniture. I'm, I find myself excited to go down and change the beds, even though everyone's like, why are you changing the beds? I'm like, I like this. I like doing, <laughs> I like coming down here and making this, you know, when you see people in Airbnbs yeah. and they're like, they really take a lot of pride in it. I'm like, I think this is my, this is what I want to do. I'm, when I retire, I'm going to run these boutique inns. Mm-hmm. So I find awesome. myself busy with my family and my little boutique. That's awesome. That's really, really cool, actually. So, so I got to ask, what does the future hold for you? Oh, gosh. I think that the future holds a lot. I think that there is um, a great desire for our company to do what we do in countries that we have yet to um, to match people in. Um, whether it's Asia or, um, you know, South America, Canada, certainly Europe, we've been in, we've been in France and in London for, for some time now, but we really haven't focused in Europe as much as um, we plan to in 2022. And starting our social club in 2022 is, I think, going to roll our future into um, areas that just kind of emphasize what we're already doing. Um, so for example, right now, when people meet someone in the past for the last 30 years, they meet someone, which is the idea and they go off and, you know, into the sunset and they're gone, but we had this great relationship with them, right? We, we saved the oceans or maybe we, you know, we created some new project right now. They're working on nuclear fusion without radiation. Talk about life changing, right? If, if, if these, if these people that met through one of our events, actually create nuclear fusion for the planet without radiation, that's the biggest game changer that's ever happened. Mm -hmm. So I want these relationships to continue. I want to build on this community because we have the most fascinating people in the world. So 2022 starts the KI Social Club. What that means is that if you're in the middle of a divorce and you're totally not ready to meet the one yet, but you don't really want to start dating because that's kind of like you're scared, maybe you've been married for 30 years and you don't want to go on Tinder and you're like, what do I do? You join the social club. You can meet people through our supper parties and events. You are not dedicating yourself to meeting the one because you need time. You probably need a little bit of coaching and therapy and you need everything to be finalized. People with mer- people with wealth take years to get divorced. It's crazy, but they do because there's just a lot to go on. So what we do is we've created a social club for not only people that aren't ready to meet the one, but for the people that have met the one to stay engaged, to not go off into the sunset, but to remain and meet up with other married couples and go on safaris and and actually go behind the scenes of these foundations that are creating the safaris. Because there's a lot more to taking a picture if you can figure out how to save the animal that you're taking a picture of. So we go into depth with Wild Aid and these amazing foundations that really teach you how to keep the rhinos um, alive so that when these safaris are coming in, there are still rhinos to, to take pictures of. So it's, it's a community that is the KI Social Club. And for me, the future is matching people with not only the love of their interests, but match on purpose. What is the purpose of their life? Where do they want to spend the rest of their life with um, and how do they see that? So my question that you just asked me, I ask my clients and then I align them with the partner to do that in. And the KI Social Club allows us to have more people in our community and to keep them forever. And that, that I think is going to take me um, years to, to just have fun in. Can you tell my listeners how best to follow your adventures on social media? Um, <laughs> I'm asked this question all the time. I never really pay attention to it. I think I'm at... <laughs> 
is really silly. Um, well, obviously, our company is Kelleher, which is three syllables, Kelleher, K-E-L-L-E-H-E-R. Kelleher-international.com is our website. I think my handle on things like Instagram and things like that is is Amber underscore Kelleher. Mm-hmm. And then um, you could just Google Amber Kelleher Andrews. My husband is Nico Andrews. So I have been married, like I said, for many years. So mm-hmm. lots of times um, you can just put in Amber Kelleher Andrews and, you know, follow it with Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and, and, I'll, and I'll come up. Nice. So I'm definitely I'm definitely on all of it. I'm just not great at promoting myself <laughs> on them. <laughs> I should have been more prepared. Oh, so. <laughs> so I always end my interviews with my favorite question. And the question is this. If the entire planet was listening to this broadcast, what would be the one thing you would like to say to the people of Earth? I'd keep it simple. I'd say relationships matter the most and love should be at the center of every one of them. I like that. I like that's a good answer. Is it? Do you like yeah, that? That's well, a great answer. For me, it's true. I mean, when you're on your deathbed, you don't go. I should have worked harder. I should have made more money. It's, you know, I should have. I, I. You want to be with the people that you love. I should have spent more time mm-hmm. in the relationships that matter. And any relationship, if love is at the center of it, um, that relationship can overcome anything together, because love is just the most powerful thing in the world. It really is everything. That's great. So, um, yeah, so that, that would be my answer. Amber, thanks. Final answer. (laughs) (laughs) Amber, thanks for taking the time to come on the show today. This has been an absolute treat for me. Oh, thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate it. And just like that, we come to the end of episode 40 of the Derek Duvall show. I want to thank the amazing Amber Kelleher Andrews for taking the time to come on the show today. I am absolutely blown away with her charity work and I wish her nothing but the best in her future endeavors. We are still pumping at the interviews and we are still getting through the backlog. Got some great interviews scheduled to be released very soon and I promise you, you will not want to miss what we have in store for you. On that note, I want to say to all of you listening, thank you for 40 episodes so far. When I started this project in late 2020, I never thought I'd get to 10 episodes. And now here we are, at 40, and with one hell of a listener count, and now we're also in tons of countries. So yeah, 40 in, and man, this train is really moving now. Thank you. So on with that, on behalf of the entire team here at the Dark Duvall Show, I say to each and every one of you, be safe, be kind to one another, and just man, thank you, Duval Nation. Nostar, God bless, and see you very soon. Planet Earth. This has been a recording of The Derek Duval Show, and we thank you for listening. Please go to our website, DerekDuvalShow.com, for the latest news on downloads and to explore past episodes. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Derek Duval Show.